welcome everybody to another edition of the Heat Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo, joined always by Coach John Coker and Coach Dave Dixon. I just called you Coach, John, but that's yeah, you did. that's okay. It's cool. Uh, we had a one-week off hiatus, which was a much needed. We had some personal issues we all had to work out. Uh, so we're back for another good episode, number 69. Uh, Robert Kraft, 69, we'll call it. A little uh, cameo appearance, maybe. Who knows? Uh, still waiting for that TMZ footage. But listen... I'm still pumped because everybody knows that this show goes live on Wednesdays and everybody knows that by now for everybody who follows us. And we're coming off a historic win for the Philadelphia 76ers. And we're going to talk everything. We're going to talk Sixers, NBA, uh, the Bucks got blown out. We're going to talk draft. We're going to talk referees. We're talk baseball. We try to go, what do we say, Dave? Four, four for four plus more, right? That's a tongue twister if I've ever heard one. But again, I'm going to go on a rant just real fast, like I normally do. Can't help it, okay? But Jimmy Butler, and, and, and I've been talking about this for months, and I've been talking about the Tobias Harris-Jimmy Butler saga. And the reason why I pin them two together is because I don't think that you're going to be able to sign both of them, in my opinion. Uh, I think even though you have the rights to be able to do so, I think it's going to be a big decision. One of them's got to take a little less, and I'm not sure either wants to do that. That's why I continually say that Jimmy is better than Tobias. I understand that Tobias played a role last night, but Jimmy Butler won that game. Jimmy Butler won game two. Okay, game one, uh, you know, it's in the rear view now. You know, Brett Brown got outcoached. I mean, you could basically say Nick Nurse and Brett Brown are one and one. Brett Brown won game two. Nick Nurse won game game one. But Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Don't Call Me James Butler, that man took over in the fourth quarter. The will to win. Uh, there was a specific, in, in the last two and a half minutes, I mean, even in, I think it was at about a six-minute mark, they put Amir Johnson in. They put Amir Johnson. And I, I got to give it to Brett. You know, I, we talked about this on the show that this was not going to be a Boban series, that he was not going to be able to defend guys like Siakam, guys like Ibaka, because they're just too powerful and too athletic for him to play. And Brett Brown made the adjustment. Greg Monroe, before he went out with a sprained ankle. I mean, here's a guy. We always talk about veterans, right, We all, in the playoffs, whether it be in football, whether it be in basketball, baseball, hockey, veterans win you games. It always happens. They know when to flip the switch. They know when to give their A game. And you looked at two guys in James Ennis and Greg Monroe, two unsung heroes. So eventually somebody's going to give a love, little love to Elton Brand, okay, because Elton Brand brought these two guys in, waiver pickups, okay. James Ennis is playing in – uh, or in Houston, Greg Monroe playing in Toronto. Uh, you know he, he had a stint with the Jazz. These are guys that been in a playoff type atmosphere, who've been on winning teams. They know what it takes to win. And then you just had Jimmy Butler put the wings on, and say, "Yo, I got this." When Joel Embiid, what did he have? Four six points, eight, eight or, or twelve points, twelve right. points, right on like four shots, yeah. right? Ben Simmons, how many points Ben Simmons have? I, we even got to look. I. I I don't even know because I wasn't even worried about it because he was really bothering me turning the ball over as much as he did. But at the end of the day, this was a full team victory. Ennis and Monroe were your two best players on the floor in the first half, which is unbelievable. And then Jimmy just took it over. I'm still high off this win. Uh, a very important game three coming up tomorrow uh, at home. We we had to split the series. We did. But this game is going to defy the odds. This game, each coach had a check back. A checkmate, right? Each coach had their move. Now, who's going to make that next move in game three? Because from then on, is going to really define what the series is all about. What do you guys think of uh, game one and game two? I was, wait- I was waiting for the Sixers to blow it. Uh, it. It got to that point, didn't it? You see that? You <laughs> see that large lead? I mean, what they have it up to? 18. Uh, early. Yeah. They had an 18-point lead. Yeah. So they had it, and then you see it start to squander away, then they pull a little bit. But I don't know. I was, I was almost seeing a repeat of the Boston series last year. You cruise through the first oh, round. I was seeing the same you go, thing. And then you sit there, and, like, you have them. You got them up against the ropes. Don't let them, don't let them out. And, you know, they almost did. They did. They almost did. But, look, they but came they through. Didn't. Right. And, and – when you're getting the win on the road to open up the series, you're going back home tied up. I mean, you're in a decent spot. You've shown that, look, 
this team isn't too much for us. We could do it even without, you know, Embiid and Simmons having their typical days. Uh, yeah, guys stepped up, you know, like you said. Big Ennis, Ennis and Monroe, those were the two guys. I mean, Big obviously time. a butler. But th those were the ones that, you know, really were the stars of the show. No, I agree. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I, I just wrote down James Ennis the third. James Ennis the third. Um, game two statistics that stood out to me were he played 24 minutes. Yep. 13.6 boards. And yeah. I mean, the, the guy, he's he's five years in the league, right? This guy, he's a baller. He plays both sides of the fence, and, and he can he can do a couple different things. And he's showing us that what you said earlier, that um, uh, what's his name? Went out and got him for us. Um, Elton Brand. Elton Brand went out and got him for us. And, and kudos to uh, Coach Brett Brown for making him the sixth man come off the bench after Mike Scott, who who we miss who, dearly, who we do miss, and and that's another question mark when he comes back in. Hopefully, he can give us some solid minutes, and uh, he can d up too a little bit. And that that three ball that you know, I know, big shot Scott, I called him big uh, shot Scott. So uh, you know, what they did last night was that their first victory against Toronto in in. In forever, how many years did they say? Uh, it was a long time in in Toronto. In Toronto, because yeah, even in two thousand one, we didn't win in Toronto. Right, we we beat them without Kawhi yep. this year, so we went one and three against them. Um, Kawhi Leonard played great, and they squandered the, his his efforts. But Kawhi Leonard is not Michael Jordan, so and and the rest of their Toronto team is not the Chicago Bulls. Like those guys are going to miss. Those guys, the way they played game one, I think the first quarter they shot 76% or something like that in game one. Oh, it was insane. Everything was going in, yes. right? Um, yep. and, and the Sixers were still in that game. Um, but the, the, the Sixers defended a lot better in this game with they, the rotations than they did in game one. That, and that is coaching. Yeah, that I, I got to give that to Brett Brown. Yeah, so hopefully – but here's the thing. It goes hand in hand, right? You have to be a good coach, but you need good players to execute. So the credit goes to everybody. You know, I'm tired of when things go wrong, they just want to bury the hatchet in Brett Brown's head and not, not and not leave players responsible for their play. Last night, how about Tobias Harris taking the ball and going – when he had Kyle Lowry on him, one particular play, he had him isolated and knew to take him to the hole. Like, you're supposed to do that. Kyle Lowry is a tough defender, but he's six foot. He is a tough defender. You're, you're Tobias really Harris. Is. You're, you're, you're bigger, stronger, and he and he played that way, and he played that way. Jimmy Butler, how about Jimmy Butler going up and playing, um, taking the ball at the end of the game and and playing point guard. Right? Oh, dude. And, and 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 this isn't the first time. This is something that they kind of uh, basically experimented with. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the season, yeah, which worked, season. Yes. which worked, yes. So, and and there's another play that I'd like to point out where which one? Joel took the ball one on one at the end of the game. Wow! And scored a humongous two points, <laughs> dude. At the end of the where where he didn't do I, I, who did, I, I raised my hand. No one can see me, but I thought for sure he was shooting a jump shot at the top of the key I'll, when they gave him the ball there. I'm like, don't give him the ball there. Uh, I'll tell you what, that move was unbelievable. That was a phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. Nothing would stop in that. You did a spin around and, and laid it in off the backboard. Oh. It was beautiful. Who stops that, too? No, no one. <laughs> no one. Not unless you have a bat in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> so they played and they executed very, very well. Yep. And hopefully that stuff continues because they grew up big time last night. They did. A road victory against Toronto when you haven't won in their house in how many years and you pulled it together with a sick Joel Embiid. Who right. was physically? You could tell. Oh, he looked. He was hurt and he yeah. was coughing. I mean, listen. For this has nothing to do with his knee. Yeah. This has nothing to do with conditioning. The man was sick. Yeah. I mean, just like Jordan, the flu game. We talk about the flu game, right? Yeah. Utah. I mean, same kind of deal, man. I mean, he Jordan, I think, out. had forty-five. Well, Jordan night. just. <laughs> Jordan was being something held, like that. He was being held up by like yeah. Scotty and Kuko yeah. trying coming off the uh, coming off the floor, but. Yeah, man, I was just just phenomenal. I'm going to say one thing to your Kawhi Leonard point, though, mm -hmm. and this isn't a hot take. I know everybody, ah, oh, you know, Jigsaw has hot takes. This is just what I seen. Okay, we've talked about on this show. Obviously, if you've never seen Michael Jordan play, I don't think anybody realizes how dominant he really was. 
um, just from you know, just 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 from point A be, being the opening tip to the end of the game, he just could not be stopped. I'm gonna say something. I watched two games of Kawhi Leonard in these playoffs. This guy is the most dominant player I've ever seen play since Michael Jordan, and I'm telling you, I, this is this is. Yeah. This is no knock on Kobe. Mm-hmm. This is no knock on Steph, whoever wants to say Durant, whoever wants to say all these players. Kawhi Leonard is the most dominant force I've seen play since Michael Jordan. Offense and defense. Yeah. Dude, this guy is so strong. I'm, yeah. He can't be stopped. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ben did as Played much as defense. Ben could do. Yeah. This isn't Ben's fault. I was explaining <laughs> the exact same same thing to my in my house. And I said for I said he's not Michael Jordan. No. He's not. He, but I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. He he is. Wow. So what? My question to my oldest boy in the house last night. I said, Kawhi Leonard, or Jimmy Butler. Oof. You got to go Kawhi. You have to. You have to. It's a no brainer. It, I think not age, against Jimmy. I think age is there too. But maybe like two, three years. But but Kawhi is is exactly everything that you said. And and you know what? Wow. Tip your hat to him. Yes. And and I said we were like, oh, we can't stop. I said, ben Simmons just the one particular highlight. When Ben is chest to chest, yes, and Kawhi drives him into the lane and then shoots, shoots a fadeaway, and and it's buckets, right? It's, I'm like, that's great defense. What do you you can't you can't nothing. stop it, right? You can't. I mean, when he's sitting at the three point line and he's he he's basically begging you to throw your hand up, yeah, come and he, uh, one switch, boom, yeah. I mean, this, and, and let's not forget, he did not come in a league like this, right? This is a guy who worked his ass off, yes. He really did, and maybe this is you know he played in the Western Conference, so maybe we never we didn't see enough of him. Like, yeah. like I always talk about uh, Chris Paul being the the best player in the NBA that nobody's ever talked about, right. only because we never really seen him play. Yeah. He's always playing ten thirty at night. He played in Charlotte, who yeah. sucked, yeah. right? You know, Clippers are ten thirty West Coast, yeah. Houston's away. But when you see him play, you're like, wow, this dude's phenomenal. Right, Kawhi Leonard again. I mean, just un. Unbelievable! I I don't ever witnessing. I don't ever remember witnessing a player like this. That yeah. just the bumping runs, the, the the spectacular defense, commanding the game. Just basically when guys start their hands up, like yeah. what, what what can I do? Right. There's a big difference between him and Giannis. Giannis is a freak. I get yeah. it, but there, there's no comparison yeah. for, to me from Giannis to Kawhi Leonard. And for my money, I, I'm gonna say this. I, I no, I know Kevin Durant is who he is, mm-hmm. but Kawhi Leonard could possibly be the best player in the NBA right now. I don't, I don't disagree that one bit. And, and if he, he's not, he's if he's be, not one, he's one A, one B with yeah. some with, with Durant or I mean, he's unbelievable. I think if you went to every GM in the NBA, and obviously this is a hypothetical because it's just opinion, and said you have your choice of 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 players to start your team with, you're starting a new franchise tomorrow in give me Kawhi. <laughs> Give me Kawhi. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't he be the top, like one, two, or three guy? It's got to be. It, it, I think it's either him or KD. But the only reason why I'm taking Kawhi over KD is because it's both sides. His yes. defensive ability is yes. ridiculous. It is. It's unbelievable. And and I mean that that's something to like tip your hat to and just watch him play and hope that you can similar to Michael. Hope that you can contain him. Yep. Right, and then you hope you have to defend. Everybody, Everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. It was always, hey, Michael's going to get his. That's right. We know that. Yeah. It is what it is. You're, exactly. He's not going to score nine you points. you got to hope that Scotty yes. doesn't beat you tonight yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or somebody else. Or, yeah. Or, or, or Hodges don't get open threes or yeah. Paxson doesn't get open right. looks. Or, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Like Siakam. Yes. He, phenomenal player. We knew about him a little bit. We watched him play. Hey, let, let, let's backtrack, too. You, yeah. you know, and I'm going to give uh, – got to give somebody credit here. Because it was on the radio, and I hate to say it, I forget. Because I have forgot. I knew they passed up one guy. I didn't know they passed up both. I forget who it was on the radio. I don't know if it was Jamie Lynch from 97.5 or, or it was Cooney or one of those guys. But do you know who? We could have drafted Siakam, right? You do know that. Colanto could have drafted him. So we passed him up twice. Mm. Once for Corkmaz mm. and once for TLC. Mm. So just think about that. <laughs> like, that's got to make even even more pissed off. Yeah. You know, I, I, it just, but to what you said, I mean, you know, I cringe 
when I see him get open shots. I cringed when Kyle Lowry was shooting open trays with a minute left in the game. I mean, that's unacceptable. I understand that sometimes you get calls up, but the game's on the line right there. That, that, that Yeah, that's got to be fixed. The turnover's got to be fixed. But the Sixers really made Toronto think now when it comes to game three. Uh, you know, and we're going to see how Nick Nurse responds. And we're yeah. going to see Sixers home court, right? We're home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we won this game with our two best players, technically with Joel and, and, and Ben, really not being a factor, not except for that their, last shot. And not having their greatest games, nah. which, which should bode well for coaching's confidence yes. and player confidence that, you know, they're, they're, they're more of a complete team than even in the Iverson years, in my opinion. Because they have, oh, dude, they it's have, not no brainer. They have multiple ways to beat you, right? They they have Tobias. Tobias has to continue to play the game that he played for for us in, in the Brooklyn series, right? And and he played defense. Tobias had ten rebounds or something like that. He did, and and that's he's a, a tall. Everybody forgets he's a tall guy. He is, but he's not known for his defensive prowess. Nah, he's soft. Say. Right, so like I keep saying he's soft, dude. Um. But, a soft player. So I'm I'm confident that it's going to be a good series. That's what I'm confident about. I don't know if we're going to – I want us to win, and I would pick us to win in seven. I, um, I, I originally say lose in seven. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to stick to that. I would okay. love to see us win. I just yeah. – my gut saying that, I don't think they can keep up this kind of play. Yeah, they might not be able to sustain uh, and, it. And, and if they can sustain it, you know, next round, they may be so beat up. Yeah. I mean, you, you never know. I mean – 2001, I think that was one of the problems. They played two seven-game series, right? Yeah. One against Milwaukee, one against Toronto yeah. in order to get to L.A. So, uh, you know, and I think they were tired when it came to that, even though they almost won that game, so it would have been a different series, I'll tell you. Yeah. But um, look at Boston, man. Mm. Boston just – Al Horford again. Al Horford shuts Giannis down. Dude, who is Al Horford? Yeah. Like, it is amazing. What a wily veteran. A guy who ain't – he's not – you say top players in the NBA, nobody ever talks about Al Horford. But he continually D's up some of the best players in the NBA, and they have their worst games against them. Yeah. And Boston is going to be a problem. Right. If they're together, they're going to be a problem. Yes. So I'm actually at the point where the East now – I really feel the champion is going to come out of the East. I do. As I still think Houston's taking that Golden State series. I hope you're right. I mean, let's. Is, is it, did you watch Houston Golden State, John? Did you no, get this? Did you I get did. See it? I it's, did. It's a totally different brand oh, of basketball. It is. No it, one's beating the shit out of each other. You, you, Excuse my language. No, but, but you can't keep up. You're like. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, track, it's a track meet. It's, it's insane. Like, it's like MMA fighting. Right over here in the east, against a, a, a racetrack, a track meet over here in the west coast. That's exactly like for me. That's the best analogy because you see them trying to d up Joel, and 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 Marcus all flat out said it out loud. I'm going to hit him with everything I can until the reps call foul. Yeah, I mean, listen, you you, you kind of have to do that. It's the same thing. Not to compare it to, but the same thing guys would have to do against Shaq. Robin, you say it all the time. Yeah. Robin of all, he played the best defense on Shaq because he said, "I'm I'm hitting him with everything." So they call it, <laughs> and he did. He did. The worm was the man. That was not fair. The worm was the man. But let's not forget the Houston should have won last year. They took them to Game Seven, and they were out were were without Chris Paul, who had that hamstring injury. They missed all those three point shots. Yeah, they could have won that game. So I still think Golden State's not the same team. I still think there's going to be some some discrepancies on the bench. You know, I still think that Houston, you know, should even though winning Game One would have helped them, I still think Houston takes a series i really do um and, and but i still think the, the winner comes out of the east i i, don't I, I do it's gonna be great no john how you doing over there john john's good. recovering I'm, I'm from good. some issues over there so he's just chilling i'm good it's good he's waiting for his draft talk he's waiting for football oh, yeah. talk that's it all, he's all just buying his time let me yeah, coach yeah, Dave us, us pittsburgh folk don't have no basketball all right you got pit yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the last time Pitt won. What was the yeah. Dr. J movie out in Pittsburgh? The fish that saved. Uh, what was uh, it? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I forget what is what that? that I don't even yeah. know what that is. Oh, you didn't. You didn't know about that? That's a Pittsburgh-based movie about Dr. J was the star. Really? The, the yeah. Fish that saved whatever. I remember, that. like he got game and hoop dreams, and that's more definitely more relevant. Yeah. Space jams. 
uh, Spade loves Space Dude, Jam. they're supposed to be coming out with number two. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about that. That's a violation. Oh, yeah, no way. LeBron, uh, get him well, off I'm the cover. Stop it. Stop with LeBron and Space Jam. It'll never be the same. Give me a break. Speaking of movies, how about Rest in Peace, John Singleton? 51 years old. Uh, we just seen Luke Perry die uh, a few months back. Same thing. Had a stroke. Early 50s, you know, goes into coma, doesn't come out. John Singleton, same thing. You know, rest in peace, man. Uh, great, great African-American director, uh, you know, who brought us some some classic movies, man. Boys in the Hood, uh, you know, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, just to name a few. And, I I mean, Boys in the Hood was, if I, I recall, and we're probably in, audiences listen to us, I would guess I was maybe like 18, 19, 20 when I was watching Boys in the Hood, you know. and, and oh, it came out in 91. Right? I yeah, think, so, so I, 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 you know, so 91 I was actually in like seventh grade, but I don't think I watched it to like yeah. junior year, you know what I mean? But it, it was just, that was the era, you know, all those movies came out, like the gang movies, and, you know, which was awesome. Uh, you know, New Jack City, New Jersey Drive, Madison Society, South Central, uh, I can name them all, but Boys in the Hood, was just, you know, it, it showed you a different culture, which I think is needed, especially nowadays, because one of the one of the best lines I always remember with Doughboy, uh, Ice Cube, at the end when he's like, you know, see if I can get it right. Either they don't, either they don't know, or they don't show. Nobody knows what's going on in the hood, and it, it's true. I mean, you you basically take everything and kind of just keep everybody in that area and you don't really want to know what's going on kind of turn a blind eye and 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 you see that that kind of stuff happens today yesterday it's going to continue to happen um but and that's what was real about that movie i i really enjoyed it the show we listen let's be honest and i'm going to be honest and i'm not going to get into a, a culture talk but i don't I, I don't know what it's like to be african-american i'm going to be honest uh, and it, it's not my it, it, it's not my jurisdiction to say I know how he feels or, you know, if they feel discriminated against. That's not my role to do that because I have no idea. But you can watch that movie and you could feel it. You could feel when Cuba Gooding Jr. was getting frisked in Crenshaw and he didn't know what to do. And you could feel the emotion and, and, and feel how helpless he felt in that situation by that punk cop who was trying to break him down. And, and you know, you could see it. And, you know, John Singleton was a very powerful director. Um, and, and that movie, man, is synonymous with my childhood. I know you guys both see it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you know, what, remember when Aaron Line, uh, he, uh, Doughboy get out of jail? I was like, oh, hoes got to eat too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, I was just, you know, everything, man, everything. What was that? Uh, do you remember? It was an awesome name. What was Lawrence Fishburne's name in that? Oh, uh, we, it wasn't I, like Xavier. No, it was, it was something like that, like, like powerful. Furious. Furious. I mean, that was one of the best names ever, man. Remember, he's like, yo, where you go? I'm going to the comic store. He's like, you ain't got no money. I'm going anyway. Then next thing you know, he's getting locked up. Dude, that was a great movie. That was a great movie. But uh, higher learning, too, man. Again. You know, we talk about culture wars, right? There you go. You have, you know, the, the you know the Caucasian era. They call Aryan Nation. You know, which ridiculous. You have, you know, Remy played by Michael Rappaport going crazy at, you know, at, at the college, and you know, it's just it, it all. His movies always taught you life lessons. So, yep. Yeah, rest in peace, John, and thank you for uh, everything you let me watch and and learn about the culture. I I, I never knew about and always learning about, which is great. Um. But now we get to the NFL draft. And, I mean, this was such an exciting weekend. We had NBA playoffs. You got NFL draft. And, you know, even though they Nashville, and I hate to say this, but I've never seen so many people, man. There were so many people in Nashville. It was unbelievable. Uh, you know, maybe Pat McAfee gets the uh, – Gets the golden star for being the best troller of of all the presenters in the third round, but you know, talking about the Eagles first, or, or I should say, the most surprising pick in the draft is Dave Gettleman, and it has to be Daniel Jones, isn't it? I mean, who the hell yeah. thought Daniel Jones was going at number six? Yeah, right. And you know what? It almost is funny because the first thing I was thinking when they said Daniel Jones, and I'm watching him walk through that tunnel. 
I'm just I'm just looking at Eli Manning. I'm looking at a dude who's not going to talk, who's who's very low key, who just goes about his business. I'm like they basically drafted an Eli Manning clone. Uh, is it going to be as good? Who knows? It's going to be a, a Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl champion. But all I know is he has the the Manning background. Went to the camps, but they could have got him at 17. I really think. I don't think oh, anybody absolutely. else. Uh, nobody else is taking Daniel Jones. No. But you know the saying, if you're high on a guy and you want him, you go and pay up for him. Same thing. Yeah, you're right. You know, if you're in an auction fantasy draft. But, yeah, I I think it was a big reach. I don't think it was a smart move because, I mean, even if they slid down a few spots, I'm sure they could have uh, entertained calls. Because, yeah, Daniel Jones, he was was severely uh, outdrafted from where he should have been. I mean, any any opposition from you guys about Kyler Murray going number one? Yeah. I have a question more. Yeah. Is he going to play baseball? What do you mean is he going to play baseball? He's still That's still up in the air. No, nah, I think once uh, – I'm pretty sure once he got drafted and he, he declared for the draft, he was – I don't know if the paperwork went through officially. Right. But, yes, the agreement is he's scrapping baseball. So, you, you feel he was he, – he was worthy of a number one pick overall? Well, I, I'm still questioning – the baseball thing. I don't care what the, what the contract says. He goes. And so let's say after three years and he's not successful, or kind of what you talked to me about the the fifth year option. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, a la Carson Wentz. Um, so what happens if this guy decides? You know what? I want to. I want to give up. Then he's Michael Jordan, Deion Sanders. So maybe he's Deion uh, Sanders or plays both. So I, I'm just Dave, worried about a question mark. I, I know I you take that risk anyway, right? I don't disagree with you fizzling that he has a good possibility to fizzle out and go play baseball. I agree with that in terms of – I'm talking about actual football ability right okay. now. That's, take a, the, that's a good question. Honestly, like take, because you never know. Like John said, maybe five years he says, you know what, I'm going to go play if, baseball. If, if he turns out to be an RG3, let's right. just say, right. does he say, you know what, Screw scrap this. it. Yeah, I'm still young enough as a baseball player. I'm going to go and do that. You give him a year or two. I mean, look at Tebow. Yeah, you're right. So here's so do you think football be, football abilities? He was worthy of a number one pick. Yes. No. Why? Okay. So why? I start with you, John. Why do you say no? I I just don't know. I look. He looked great in college. All right. I don't know how many years he played as a starter and this and that. I just I don't. I mean, what everything that you've seen in college looks great, but when you have that much of a team around you. I don't know how much he's going to be able to lead an NFL team consistently for years. <clears throat> Do you – the funny thing is, when you watch the draft, I love the presentation of the NFL draft. I really do because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know every attribute about Kyler Murray, right? No, he, none of us do, not. right? No. Which, which and, I and love I'm, the draft because they e- teach us that. Right, and I'm not even huge – I'm not a huge college football Man, guy. Man, me neither. So it's not like I'm – it's just – it's my opinion looking at yes. historicals from college to NFL and how they fare in the NFL. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't 100% sold on Kyler Murray until – I watched his highlights until I watched them break down film and understood what he did to basically, you know, make up for what he lacked in size. And, you know, we, you, we compare him, obviously, to Russell Wilson because that's who he's going to be compared to, okay, because he is literally the same size, okay, as Russell Wilson. So if you look at some of the attributes that Russell does, you know, here's the deal. You're Cliff Klingsbury, right? Average coach in college comes in. He has a different style offense. This, you know, I maybe I'm wrong, but this just you know shouts to me Chip Kelly all over again. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But everybody's talking about. They brought a good good point off air. Said Josh Rosen handled us with class. He did. Okay, Cliff came in. They didn't get rid of Josh Rosen because they that Josh Rosen was not a talented guy. He didn't fit the system that Klingsbury wants to do. So Klingsbury obviously looked at this and said, I'm going to come out only for the simple fact that I know I'm going to get the first overall pick, and I'm taking Kyler Murray because that's who I could see foresee running my system. That's his guy. Right, exactly. So, you know, you, you see that. And that's why I think this works. 
I do. I think this works. I think it works for the simple fact that it makes Arizona relevant again. They they don't have to win 10 games, okay? We've seen it with the Cleveland Browns. They take Baker Mayfield. And we, we all said this. We like Baker, right? Intangibles. We like what he brought. He brought an enthusiasm. He brought an energy. So what did he do? He brought people back to Cleveland to watch football. He made Cleveland Brown football watchable again. And Kyler Murray is going to make Arizona Cardinal football watchable again. And that's great for Larry Fitzgerald. And that's great for Arizona. And it's great for the NFL because now I'm going to get to watch a shit game for the Arizona Cardinals who suck. I can actually watch a decent NFL game, even if they only win four games. Who cares? At least they're going to be exciting. And that's what I feel like this Kyler Murray is, and we'll see what happens a year or two later. Well, it, the point is it should have been exciting with Josh Rosen. It could have. Yeah, well, he, he was still – but he was still in the conversation of, you know, there were the big four quarterbacks. He was still in the conversation. That he was always the question mark, though. Yes, he, yes, he was number four. Yep. But – that still should have brought enough excitement with David Johnson and things they had. My concern is Kyler Murray probably had a better team at Oklahoma than he's getting in Arizona. And a better line. Yes. Because <laughs> so their offensive this, line is not very good in Arizona. I have a feeling he's going to take some lumps. This isn't he probably be, is. You know, and some of these guys you know, overcome it, and some of them fizzle out. Peyton Manning, he comes out. He didn't look great in his first two years. Or You're whatever. right. You're right. Then he comes through. RG3 looks great in his first two years. Shanahan ruined does him. does nothing. But you just don't know how these quarterbacks are going to turn out. You really don't. That's true. No, that's a good point. That's definitely a good point. How about you, Coach Dave? What do you think of my man, Kyler? I like him athletically, and, and his, his numbers are almost identical to uh, Baker Makefield senior year at Oklahoma. Oh, Baker effect. So he, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But unfortunately for Kyler is something that you guys just touched on, John and you, Tony, said that that's not going to be the same team. Um, Baker Makefield walked into a team with Cleveland that whether you want to believe this or not, for those guys that are listening, Cleveland was on the uprise last year before Baker Makefield yes. stepped behind the center. Yep. Right. But what this kid, Kyler Murray, is going to walk into is the rebuilding uh, from ground zero, if you will. Right. They do have some pieces in running back, David Jones, but their wide receiver situation is questionable at best, and their offensive line is questionable at best. So you have a running back you can hand the ball off to. Um, but my point is, is that Murray is not walking into the same. Ah, positive situation that no Baker way. did. So that comparison, unfortunately, is going to translate over into the NFL. Right? You're going to say, well, Baker, look what Baker did his first year. Well, Baker had parts already in place that Kyler does not. But you asked a question prior to all this conversation was, athletically, what do you think? Absolutely. Russell Wilson's a good, a good comparison, but he's going to get compared to the guy he backed up in college. Oh, absolutely. So they were they were roommates together and all this other. They're, they're similar size. Baker might be a half an inch taller, whatever. But they can they can play football. And in today's NFL, a kid like that can make it work. So you're you're not allowed to kill the quarterback. And, that is um, true. You're moving the pocket. You're doing all this. Um, you know the the jet sweep and uh, you know the RPOs and all this other. He's stuff. a new style quarterback, man. He, he, let's let, yeah. let's face it. And and he will be able to make it work if he has the parts around him, just like every other, other quarterback. I was just going to say that every other quarterback. Yep. You know, so these guys have talent. It's whether or not the parts around them are all in play at the same time. What do you think, John, John Dorsey, man? You, you talk about Cleveland and what a job John Dorsey did hmm. turning that franchise around uh, with the draft picks, with the free agency moves he made. you you got to gotta be thinking right now, he's thinking to himself, thank God I'm out of Kansas City with that whole Tyree Kill situation. I mean, just, you know, he – He was a part of bringing those guys in. I know. But I'm just saying, though, now he's out. Yeah. And now he's not dealing with it. Uh, yeah. You know, for all the for, – for you people out there that may not know – you know, that was the other storyline of the draft. You know, the, the, the tapes leaked about, uh, you know, Tyree Kill, who seems to be a disgusting individual, mm. uh, talking about it, fully admitting he broke his kid's arm and he deserved it. And tell, I mean, it's just, it, you know, he was suspended indefinitely, uh, you know, from football activities by the Chiefs, not by the league, but by the Chiefs. 
Uh, just uh, it, it, he's not even worth my airtime. But uh, at the end of the day, though, you know, Cleveland is on the uprise. I, I, you know, I like this draft for the simple fact that, you know, we always talk about, oh, there's no good quarterbacks in the draft, right? We always say that. And then all of a sudden, quarterbacks, we see it with Alex Smith. We see, you know, these guys just take, excel their, their spot up to number one, right? But you talk about this, this Gettleman guy out in the Giants, he is a, He's a dope. He really be, is. I hate I to say. Thank God he you is. Know, I mean, I hate to steal Eskin's word, but this guy's a dope. I love. That's I, the only reason uh, I respect Eskin a little bit is because he says that out loud. Uh, You're thought, a dope. This guy was a dope. I mean, and he's sitting there saying, uh, how old is Eli Manning? 37, 38? Yeah. yeah, something like that. He said, oh, we're prepared to have Daniel Jones sit for three years like Aaron Rodgers did. <laughs> really? So it's Eli playing always 42? Yeah. I mean, come well, on, man. As they don't draft linemen to protect them. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Well, I think they're, I don't know, I think they're trying to figure out what that whole draft class is because that's Ben and Rivers. So they extended Ben. Manning was the same thing. You know, so they're trying to figure out how long can I hold on to these guys. And I think it's number one is because they're scared of the alternative. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, you're- it's so difficult to get those three names that you just named. Holy mackerel. Those guys – they have four Super Bowls between the, the the three of them. Yep. Right. I mean, Phil's the only one that doesn't have one. The other two have two. Ben has two, right? Yep. Um. So. I thought for sure they were taking Josh Allen with that pick. Last, I, I, last year? No, Josh Allen, the, the defensive tackle, oh. uh, the Giants. I just swore. I said no way. And when they said Daniel Jones, I was like, "Well, they should have those defensive tackles." Oh, there were there studs. Was, there was John's so team. Bad. I had him taking Ed Oliver. That did, well, Oliver or Al? I mean, they were right there, man. I couldn't believe Allen just kept falling. I, I, you know, I, Don, Monte Sweat. Uh, you know he, you know Montez Sweat. Like, like I like we dropped down because of the heart issue, and you know the Redskins. The Redskins had a really good first round. Um, there's a quarterback. I'm Haskins. I'm interested to see how he translates to the NFL. I mean, he he's a big, strong kid. Um, he has a cannon of an arm. Um, I you know I hate to say you know, the 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 difference is whether these kids do well or not is academic. If they are able to pick up the plays and and the speed and make their adjustments. And mentally, do well in this game. They're they're all their physical attributes are pretty close, right? Yeah. Some are more obviously more talented than others. Oh with, yeah, with right. Thing. But I'm interested to see how fast this kid picks up the NFL game because physically, he's um, as physically gifted as the as the best quarterback we've ever seen. You know, his arm is a, is a rifle. He's got legs. He's strong. He can stay in the pocket, similar to um, Pittsburgh's Roethlisberger. So. He's, he might play right away. Yeah. I, Their quarterback situation is pretty questionable, right? Oh, no. Well, who did it? Case just picked up. Yeah, they got Case. He yeah. stinks. Wow. So, I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, you're basically, you know, they get Darius Geis back this year. Yes. Right from the injury, which will be a nice. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they signed Peterson for another year, which I like that move because he's going to mentor Geis, and I think that's a good mm-hmm. deal for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a shame. You know, Jordan Reed just can't stay healthy. All the talent in the world at the tight end position just can't stay healthy. You, you still got Dotson out there. You still got, uh, you know, a couple good young receivers. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. The, the defense has always been suspect. Yeah. Uh, you know, they signed Landon Collins on a huge deal, mm-hmm. uh, which is ridiculous to say the position. Yeah. But one of the, one of the most intriguing players, one of the most exciting players I like is – you know, John's team picked up. I, I was always in there, but Devin Bush. I just thought he was one of the most exciting playmakers of the entire draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pittsburgh Breeze linebackers, bro. That's crazy. They just, they, you know, they, I mean, you know, they, Shazier might probably never play again, and they nah. just throw Bush in there. I mean, they just always breathe linebackers. I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm sorry, John. I know you're going to talk nah, about they, it. I, and I'm, give, I'm just going to say this about <laughs> Pittsburgh real quick. The, the, I respect – everything that they do from uh, an operational standpoint for their franchise. They just feel like they need something, and they have no problem going to get and plug in exactly that. Except giving a three-year extension to a 37-year-old quarterback who probably may not make three years. Um, 
you know, I, I I don't agree with that. But how many times has he been hurt, John, in the last let's say five years? He toughs through a lot. He I mean, does. He, there, you know, the one year I think he missed four games. The other year he might have missed one or two. But um, he's he's relatively. I don't want to say injury free, but he's he's pretty clean a lot of games with that offensive line. He has been he has been recently, but yeah. as recent as three three years ago, he was contemplating retirement because he was on his back fifty times. Well, they changed. They walk around with ice packs. Walk around, walk around ice packs on on the knees, on the shoulders. I mean, you know. But Devin Bush, man, yeah, I I know you were excited about that. Oh yeah, like I said, hey, it's the alternative. They would have took a cornerback at number twenty that would have been another bust because as good as they are with receivers, they stink at drafting cornerbacks. Yeah, don't even go sign sign a free agent, dude. (laughs) Don't even go down that road. So look, they did give up a decent amount. I mean, they moved you know, they moved to move up ten picks, they also gave up a second and a third one next year. So they gave up enough, but hey that was the biggest need. It's I'm not worried about the offense as much. All right, you got a good line. You got your smart quarterback. Whether or not he throws twenty picks is it's not the, <laughs> that's not the point right now. You still right. have Juju and Connor. Juju, both, baby. But they're they're both Pro Bowlers. So you're looking at the nucleus of your team. You look how they got got their butts beat in. Yep. That's what it was. That was the the biggest glaring hole. So they went and they addressed it, and no complaints. And, yeah. they, and they might have got Bettis Light with uh, Benny Snell. Hey, Benny Snell. I like that name. Benny Snell, Lo- another local kid. But nah, man, you know, and, and then you can talk about the Eagles. Uh, you know, they move up from twenty-five to twenty-two. Uh, they select what's, you know, has been said to be the best tackle in the draft, uh, Andre Dillard, who uh, just looks the part to me. Uh, I think you know, the success rate on drafting offensive linemen in the first round is very high. Uh, it always has been over the years in the NFL, not just from the Eagles' standpoint. Uh, but the Eagles have a really good track record of drafting offensive linemen minus Danny Watkins. Uh, so we don't want to talk about him. But, you know, this kid has been known. He's, they said he's one of the most genuine players in the draft, one of the most intelligent players in the draft. He, he fits the whole MO of what Eagles football is and what they look at in a player. Uh, but – it makes you think about what this line could be. Uh, you know, you know. I, I keep hearing whispers of, you know, Dave's boy, uh, my lot of being moved to guard, uh, you know, which he was one of the biggest guards in the NFL if he did. But guard's a lot easier to play than tackle, right? So if, if this kid Diller can step in in day one and be that Jason Peters replacement, and you still got you know you still got that bookend on the other side, and you throw Malata in there, and Brooks comes back from injury, and Kelsey for the next couple of years, I'll tell you what, man, you have one hell of an offensive line, and not 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 just one hell of a line, one hell of a scary line that just is going to scare opponents out before they even play, which is is something of uh, of great need and and something that I think they did well in this draft. You like Dillard? You're, you're asking me, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm okay with every draft we start picking an offensive lineman. I, I think that yep. I, I love watching a lineman play. I love learning and and paying attention to what they do. Um, he's six foot five, three hundred fifteen pound kid that that put a put an emphasis on gaining weight. Like yes, he he understands, and this is what he wants to do. Um, one stat that you said out loud, but I looked it up too from Pro Football Focus. Um, dropbacks, 677 of them, one sack allowed. One sack. Um, whether, whether we talk about uh, competition You did. You talk not, about it. I get it. Competition or not, you still have to have proper technique in order to do that successfully. You're, you're batting 1,000. Let's say out of 700 attempts, you, did, you gave up one. That's pretty impressive. Now, to continue with some of the draft uh, picks that we had, we had six picks total. We had a one, a one, two twos, a four, five, and a seven. The interesting thing for me, what we did here, was we, we filled some needs. You just – with Dillard, what we talked about is that you create a competition within your own team. You have three tackles now with, with my buddy Jordan Mailata and Vitae and Dillard now basically fighting for one spot because, like you said, you got Lane Johnson on that side. And the 
another draft pick. Let's talk about Miles Sanders, who thinks he's, who thinks he's Saquon. Who said he's better than Saquon. Well, yeah, so you wow. know what? Prove it to us. I'm all for it. You, you opened your mouth. I'm, I love it. I love the confidence. He doesn't have what I like about him, and he's, he doesn't have a lot of tread. He he didn't You're get, right. he didn't You're get right. used a lot in because he had because he had in Saquon front, right. You go to the second 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 round pick we had was Whiteside uh, wide receiver from Stanford JJ JJ and don't even tell me that in between part <laughs> name but um JJ just called me Whiteside yeah another <laughs> comes from an outstanding athletic background both his parents played professionally. Basketball, basketball in Spain. Or, crazy. Uh, His so, mom was large, dude. Yeah, yeah. Tall woman. So this this body type, he's the same as Alshon Jeffrey yep. uh, with tremendous work ethic. And then you got your fourth round pick was Sharif Miller, the defensive end from Penn State. So what we talk about, you pick the tackle and a D end, right? Yep. Protect the quarterback and kill the quarterback. That's the name of the game. It's still the name of the game. The kid, Clayton Thorson, uh, the quarterback from Northwestern. I, I know people are saying he's just a practice squatter or whatever, but Northwestern breeds intelligent players. That's another – so to go with the scheme of Howie Roseman yep. and the Eagles' MO, you pick the kid that has – and has proven it at Northwestern. I know not many people watch Northwestern, but they play Penn State, so I'm a Penn State fan. I get to see him. This kid is an intelligent quarterback. And, and, and will make the right reads. And throwing the football, what's most important? Throwing it to the right guy. Absolutely. Number seven number seven draft pick, we traded. I right? love this move. I, well, I'm glad you do because I love it as well. So what you did with a, with a complete crapshoot in the seventh round um, is you traded for a commodity. Yep. Hassan Ridgeway is a six foot three, 300-pound defensive pat- tackle from Texas who was a fourth-round pick in 2016. So you just went from an unknown to a known, and I love that. Played for the last three years in NFL. Yes. Meaningful snaps. Yes. So And (laughs) and you re-signed. You signed Tim Jernigan. Timmy Jernigan. So what you did with drafting Dillard is create a competition, and what you did by trading for Ridgeway and signing. Or drafting Sharif Miller. And and Miller and and re-signing Brandon Grant. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm talking about the whole yeah, line. Yeah, I'm sorry. So am I. So am I. Right, because you have that four right in the middle. Yeah. You, you're right. Fletcher Cox, Jernigan, Malik Jackson. There you're yeah, two, right? Yes. And, Who are now going to be rotated by Ridgeway? Yes. And, and Timmy Jernigan. Yes. So there's your four. Yeah, and and, and in-house competition yes. too. Yes. In-house competition because don't think because we're line number two that we're not trying to compete with line number one. So I'm going to go with two names at you. Sharif Miller, he's a sack specialist. He's not an every-down guy, okay? He's going to be a guy like, remember the guy from Green Bay a few years ago, probably about five, six years, KGB, Baja Biamila, right? A guy that's going to come in and just rush the quarterback, right, which is is where the NFL is going. You say Alshon Jeffrey clone for JJ. I'm going to throw another name at you. I'm going to say Brandon Marshall clone. I watched this guy. He's got the size. He doesn't have the speed, but he's got the physical red zone nature. Mm-hmm. I think Alshon Jeffrey's more of a go up and get it guy. Yeah. Right? I think this guy's more of a just out physical mall receiver what Brandon Marshall was in Chicago. So I think that's what you have, which yeah, is I agree. I, 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 I'm, I'm very excited about this team. So that's really good analogy, in my opinion, because this kid is a bas- he's a basketball yes. player. So, yep. And the physical ticky-tack stuff that the D-backs try and do with you, this guy has none of it. You don't do it to him because he's so big and strong, like you talked about. So – I, I think this is that's an exciting player. Their offense, Carson Wentz, has to be tickled pink. Oh, um, you ain't what, lying. What, what they have done, re-signing offensive linemen in play, and now your stable running backs, you look legit. Uh, so you got two tight ends. You got multiple wide receivers. You got multiple running backs. Just you think got- about that red zone offense. You talk about toughness, right? Mm-hmm. If this kid could play in year one, you're talking about Alshon Jeffrey – this JJ cat, JJ, I'm just going to call him a white side, mm-hmm. but, or JJ from, remember Good Times? JJ, yeah. uh, Don yeah. Omai. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I used to love that show. But, and then you got Goddard. Yeah. And you got Ertz. Yeah. Who are you covering? So that set right there, just think about, you can go double tight, and let's yes. put Howard in the back, in the oh, backfield. That's what I was going to say. Oh. So you go double tight, yep. and you put Alshon and JJ on your corners, and. and My buddy, uh, Detroit, Chicago native. Uh, my boy Craig Williams, shout out my man. 
uh, he, you know, he was texting me the other day, and he was like, you guys are going to love Jordan Howard. He's like, let me just tell you something. He's like, he doesn't have breakaway speed, but you don't need him for that. Yeah. This guy will run through a wall. Yeah. Between the tackles, he is phenomenal. And I'll tell you, man, I am so – like, I'm getting goosebumps, man. Well, you should be. I'm getting yeah. goosebumps thinking about this Eagles season. I really am. Yeah. And, I and, really and, am. You know, obviously the, the main thing, like every 32 NFL other teams, is barring injury. Barring, yeah, barring. I didn't know what barring meant. Or, or, or they used it in front of that word. Barring, barring, reco- barring the recovery from yeah. injury, well, which we still have to figure well, we out. Know Carson, Carson, and his his, his back. exercise uh, fifth year option and his back. That that might be a good lead way into explaining that to us, Tony. Well, the fifth year, Dave. I, I still understand why Dave doesn't understand the fifth year option. So essentially, they signed Carson, went to the fifth year option, and you know that that buys them another year. You know, essentially, he could have been a lame duck quarterback this year if they didn't pick up this option, right? So if they didn't pick up the option, he becomes a free agent at the end of this year if they don't sign him to an extension. So basically, what this did was this just gave them another year to either sign him this year or sign him next year. That's essentially what it did. So that to me. It tells me that there's more moves for them to make this year, uh, and one specifically is linebacker. I still think they're extremely weak when it comes to linebacker. Uh, you know, Nigel Bradham and everybody else. I mean, basically, I understand that they bring Malcolm Jenkins up from occasion and run that hybrid linebacker position, but you can't tell me that, you know, Gruger Hill, Gruger Hill, who I, I, I like, but I, he's not an, an 80-snap guy. You know, Nate Gary, really? Are, are you going to sell me on him? They, they, they picked up a kid, I think, from Nebraska, a linebacker, undrafted uh, free agent from the draft. I... I you got to give me more than that, and I and I and I think they're looking, and you know I I think I keep hearing the whispers of Lee from the New York Jets being available, and the Eagles and the Jets have been talking, and I I could see something like that maybe happening, uh, you know, because that they could swing some money over. He's a young kid, uh, plays very well. Maybe extend him with the money you save from not signing Carson Wentz this year. I mean, listen, who knows what how he's thinking? It just gives them financial flexibility to go all in once again. And I think if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan right now, you just have to be happy. Uh, so I want to switch gears real fast because we only have a few minutes left, and I want I want to switch to some baseball talk. And I think that a lot of things have been happening with the Phillies have got lost. Uh, obviously, because everybody is so excited about football, about the draft, about the Sixers in the playoffs. We're not used to this, right? We're not used to having so many winning teams at one time, which is great. But the one person I want to talk about is I want to talk about Gene Segura. And, I, you know, when, when the Phillies traded for Gene Segura, uh, you know, I, I purposely went and reached out to a couple Seattle guys uh, Shil Kapati, who writes for The Athletic, who covers the Eagles, uh, actually went out and covered the Seahawks a couple years ago. So he was actually familiar with some Mariners baseball, and he you know, he talked about Segura, and I talked to all the guys about Segura, and they said, this guy, you're going to love him. He's just he, he, he's a lightning rod, man. He, just, he plays baseball with that tenacity and the speed and the toughness that you'll love. He's always there. He will get injured a couple times a year with his hamstrings, which he already had one, right, because he said because he plays so hard, but I, I I seen such a different team when he was on a DL. I, a completely different team, mm-hmm. which makes me say, as much as I love Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. that the most important offseason move could have been Gene Segura. Yes. And I don't think anybody talks about it because everybody's enamored, right? John, This is John. John's going to chime in because he's a baseball guy. But I love Real Muto. We talked about that. You know, commanding the pitchers, giving you that everyday presence. We talk about Harper because he brings everything, the spotlight, the entertainment, the show, the power. But Gene Segura just gets it done. I mean, the, the way he flips a double play, the way he, he stretches out a single or a double, the way he bats 300, gets on base, he's the catalyst of that lineup. And when he was there, we just went dull. There was nothing. And I, I think people need to really, really look – and we have him for another year, which is great because uh, he's already signed because we need this guy. Uh, and, you know, Having him in the lineup is such a difference. I just think he was basically the most important part of the offseason. He's proven it. Yeah, I know you like Segura, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's on. <laughs> he might be on every one of my fantasy teams. Really? Yeah. I, 
And Does I, it all. I know I reached for him in the, the 112 team, or I reached for him in the fourth round. But I was looking at the mid, uh, the middle infield. and Right. Look, bat, hitting at the top of that Phillies lineup, there's no reason that he can't – he should be well over 100 runs scored. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He gets on base. He's, he got a little bit of pop, you know, for that uh, – for that thing and and his his defense i mean yeah. he, play, he plays a heck of a defense but you look at him hitting at the top of the lineup and what that means compared to when he's out ah and such yeah. a difference yeah such yeah. a difference and his build man he remi- he he's like looks like raul Mondesi playing shortstop you know what i mean yeah, like yeah he is he's just like a, a bowling ball man he really is but i mean just you know and i i liked to see the development of kingery and i i like to see that uh you know which i still think he should be playing overseas or once he comes back healthy but score just he just basically sets the table for the rest of that lineup which is he is and and that's what they said he he you know he's had was it uh he's bad at like 299 between like 299 and 308 for like the last four or five years (laughs) i mean uh you know he's constantly he got the hits every year so uh it's been great another guy zach efflin I mean, you know, we all kept hearing about Pavetta, right? Yeah. Pavetta stinks. <laughs> I, I never understood the the love fest with Nick Pavetta. I I, I I still don't know where it came from. I you know he gets to stay there. He got a good strikeout rate. As soon as you see a guy get he's got no punch, he's got no movement though. You see I'm not saying that. You know? I'm saying the general fan base. The all you Just see a, once you see the big yeah, K numbers, right. that's where the mind goes. Nothing else. So John, you you hit nail on the head. His strikeouts since he's been in the minors is like. Fourteen out of sixteen, or something. Yeah, he got he, he yeah. huge strikeout rates. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he has. He, he's got to learn how to pitch. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. He's just got to learn how to pitch. Yeah, and he's and hopefully somebody like Real Muto is able to hone him in and just he look. Know what he looks like? He just looks like one of those privileged kids. Ah, oh, yes. Steps up on the mound, and I hate saying it like that, but he like, just Ricky, looks like Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. <laughs> Silver Spoons, no way. Yeah. So. <laughs> Pavetta looks like one of those kids that just thinks like things are going to happen. Right. Kind of right. similar to Velasquez when we first got him. You're thinks right. he's going to strike 16 guys out every time he steps on the mound. And he's been, he's been very good. Velasquez is now pitching. Yeah, I don't know. See, I, I love to just attribute all this to Real Muto because I love Real Muto. Right. right. But I also believe it's also maturity too, right? And, and learning how to be a professional. Um, I think it was uh, – uh, Sandy Koufax said uh, something. Sandy so, Koufax. One of these famous pitchers said, "I I stop. I learned how to be a pitcher when I stopped trying to strike everybody out, and then I tried to pitch to let them hit it." And and you know that's what you said, learning how to be a pitcher. But we talked about earlier about Segura. We talked about with some of our family and friends that yep. you're going to have a hard time figuring out who you like most of these acquisitions. You're right, Segura, Real Muto, and Harper. Yep. And honestly, they all bring something so much different to the table. And at Real Muto, Crux did something awesome the other day. Uh, they show him and the other guy who I can't stand, McCarthy or whatever. Uh, you don't like Tom? No, I don't like I just He's just blah. But anyway, um, Crux was getting all emotional talking about it's Real blah. Muto. Okay. Because he wears number 10, right? Ah, and, Crockers. And, no. Dalton. Uh, Dodge Dalton, I yes. should say. Yeah. yeah, what am I talking about? And Cruck was they, – so they had the, his face up, and Cruck was getting emotional saying how Dalton would really love watching this guy because he's – Because it's the way he commands. It was, it was so – he wears his number, he's playing catcher, and yes, and how he does his thing, and he's a role model for the players. And But anyway. Why didn't he, why didn't he say he was more like uh, Lieberthal or Lance Parrish? Yeah, I loved Lance Parrish. <laughs> Did you really? Well, I loved him in Detroit. Yeah, he didn't no. do well. I was a big Lance Parrish. Mike Levemore? Mike Lee. <laughs> or, uh, that was. Uh, you said Mike Levemore. I never heard of that one before. That's when he left all the men on base. <laughs> He's got a Wall of Fame plaque. Yeah, how about it? I don't get it. I don't Maybe. get it. I was never Maybe. a Levy guy. I was that. I would rather go with Steve Lake. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Steve Lake, no way. That's an awesome name, dude. <laughs> Steve Lake. But man, we're gonna have to wind this down. Man, it's another great episode. Uh, episode number sixty-nine, Craft sixty-nine. I'll throw that out there. But uh, again, keep us keep us in the loop, man. Keep us going at the heat ratio. 
on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, you know, again, you have any questions, let us know. Join our Battle Box discussions every week. Uh, we're going to have a new segment called Coach's Corner coming up in a week. So you got to get Coach Dave and uh, get the comments going as well. Uh, for your host, Tony Cotilla at Cotilla23, uh, signing off, John Coger at PTH, John36, and at Coach Dixon365. We will see you next week. Go Phillies. Go Sixers. Let's go. We out.